0: Welcome to Make Money Count, the podcast by Connect Home Financing. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. Be sure to rate, comment, and review on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you wanna send us a question, please send us a question to hello at connect.ca. That's connect with an A. If you're not already a subscriber, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thank you once again for listening to Make Money Count. And now your hosts, Marcus Averis and Justin Turner. Hey guys, it's uh,
1: your weekly dose of Make Money Count. Today we have the privilege of having Marcus in the studio with us, which is really exciting. How's your day? Great. Good. Yeah, great. How's yours? It was all right? No, oh, yeah, you're having a tough morning. No, yeah, but also some inconvenient things happened to me, such as um, I forgot my work pants. Work pants, just being dress pants. And then when I went to get soap out of the soap dispenser today, it shot past my hand and onto my pants. So I had to like take like a mini mini shower out of the sink. What are those Lululemon tights? <laughs> No, they're just jeans. They're very comfortable. They don't look comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they are very comfortable. Really? Yeah. They're just so tight. Your jeans are tight too, but are
2: they? I guess they are. I mean, yeah. But they don't see. They don't seem nearly as tight. Looking at those things. Oh, uh, definitely not. They're not. They're I not. feel like those jeans, if they could talk, they'd be saying. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
1: They make me feel pretty, and that's all that matters. You know what, actually? They're pretty aptly
2: worn today because we're going to talk about Fed tightening. Okay.
1: Okay, like I the, love it. The Federal
2: Reserve Maybe that's rates. why
1: I wore them. For sure. Yeah. But you
2: know what? <clears throat> the only thing tightening more than those jeans is the Federal Reserve.
1: Okay, okay. So tell us about it. What's happening? So <clears throat> the Federal Reserve kicks
2: off a two-day meeting today. Okay. Um, Tuesday... The 20th of September today. That is today, yeah. And then tomorrow they're going to announce what is widely expected to be a 75 basis point rate hike. Okay. Which I think we can then expect uh, the Bank of Canada to follow suit with another 75 basis point rate hike. Um, The interesting thing that we're seeing now is there is increasing dissension among big, you know, big business leaders and economists. Um, Elon Musk recently tweeted out calling for the Fed to decrease interest rates. Right. Yeah. People are getting upset. I mean, I don't know that they're getting upset, but they're saying that maybe the mechanisms that the Federal Reserve utilizes to assess inflation and inflationary pressures on the market aren't as current and responsive as what is required to actually judge what's going on in the real economy. right? So um, there's a whole bunch of people that are coming out saying that the Federal Reserve is going too far, right? There's Elon Musk, there is a guy named Jeff Gunlock, who is a, they call him the bond king. Like he is, runs a multi-billion dollar bond fund called Double Line. Is he also a member of the nRA? Um, I don't know. he lives in in l a
1: and his last name's Gunlock No, I, I don't think he's uh,
2: like I don't think he's a, a gun guy.
1: just for the reference you were supposed to laugh' uh, we'll continue. okay <laughs> those are the <laughs> best jokes. those are the best jokes when you have to be like yeah, yeah, this is where you
2: laugh. Yeah, so um Elon Musk, Jeff Gunlock, a guy named Barry Sternleck, who is the guy that kind of amalgamated all of the starwood resorts okay you know a lot of hotels Mm -hmm. um kathy wood very famous investor with a fund called arc investments which has just got hammered like invested in a lot of tech stuff and really got hammered anyways and i'm sure that there's a whole host of others have all come out and said That the Fed's going too far and that they see deflationary pressures on the horizon for the economy. Right. If you remember, when we started these kind of podcasts addressing how people are going to deal with um, the interest rate shocks that are coming, we were saying that it's very hard to target inflation to to the degree that the Federal Reserve intends on targeting it And end up with a quote-unquote soft landing for the economy. Right. At the beginning, the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada were issuing these press releases. And in their reports, they were saying things like, the economy is going to have a soft landing. We have no concerns over creating a recession. And then the verbiage changed to... This will be a difficult course of action, but if we do it properly, we will have a soft landing. And then we heard things like it's like threading a needle. Like the kind of probability of a soft landing continues to diminish as the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada and all, frankly, all the central banks around the world communicate to investors and the general public, whoever is willing to listen. So I think now, with the consecutive jumbo rate hikes that we've seen from multiple central banks around the world. I think now more and more investor sentiment is that we're not gonna see a soft landing. Right. I think it starts off now with these few contrarian views that we're talking about that deflation's actually starting to take hold and that further rate hikes by the central banks will only exacerbate the problems of the economy in the future. Right. And do we, you believe that? Like yes, do you believe yeah, that? yeah, I very firmly believe it. Like um I think that these successive jumbo rate hikes are going to serve the purpose of you know eliminating this inflationary pressure. But I think that a lot of, you know, if you, if you look at some of the kind of commodity prices that we track, a lot of them have already decreased year over year, right? right. The exception of like, you know, oil and, well, oil has come down, yeah. natural gas, um, some agricultural um, items. And a lot of that might be as a result of the war in the Ukraine. But I think that on, a, on an overall level, The consumer is going away, and we're seeing it already. Another big thing that came out um, last week uh, was the CEO of FedEx came out and said that he sees a massive slowing in commerce, and he sees a global recession, imminent, imminent global recession. So, I mean… You've got some of the richest, most powerful people with what you could argue is kind of the 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 people who are closest to having a pulse on the economy mm-hmm. all saying that we're going into a very difficult economic time, and it will only be worse um as the Federal Reserve and the central banks in the world continue to hike interest rates right so I was worried when we first started talking about this because the Federal Reserve and the central banks around the world have been so clear that they are increasing interest rates to fight inflation. Right. And that they are not going to stop. And it almost seems as though the stock markets, let's just say the stock market, like an encompass, like the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Dow, um, the TSX, like. Let's encompass all of them into one and call it the stock market. The stock market's playing like a game of chicken with the Fed. Stock markets are always kind of known to be overly optimistic. And that's why you see whenever the Federal Reserve intimates that, no, no, we're holding course. We're going to keep increasing interest rates. The stock markets get hammered. Right. And whenever a bad piece of economic data comes out, the markets spike because it's, they're spiking on the hopes that the Federal Reserve will slow down the pace of increasing interest rates in light of the new data that's come forward. Right. But I think that this massive monetary policy ship that is being guided by the, the, the heads of these central banks is on course to continue to increase interest rates. And there's very little data that can come in right now, perhaps short of like successive month over month drops in that kind of those CPI numbers or, or inflationary measures. There's very, very little that can happen other than a decrease in those numbers that will cause them to take pause. And markets already baked in 75 basis points right now. so It's right. not going to shock it heavily, but the verbiage that comes out of this next meeting will shock it. Right. So, I mean, listen, people are listening and watching this podcast and their, their main concerns are either like, what am I going to do with my mortgage rate? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do if I need to borrow more money? Mm -hmm. And should I buy a piece of property? Someone phoned me on my way here today and, and, um, they're looking to get a pre-approval. Right. I said, hold on. I said, no problem. Get a pre-approval. It's not a bad idea bond yields right now are at the highest they have been in 15 years. Like the two year U S government bond yield is, is its highest level in 15 years. Right. And that is, um, that's telling us that, you know, these short term rates are going to be high. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the, the impact of these extremely relatively extremely high interest rates, Still has not been felt in the market. Like if you think about it fundamentally, if you are a household and every, you know, every day your cost of owning that home is increasing. Mm -hmm. The cost of the goods and services that you consume are increasing, and your income is static, it's like I can't imagine the amount of anxiety on the average Canadian household, um, on a day-to-day basis right now. Right. And it, it is not abating, right? Like what are we being told? We're being told that interest rates are going to keep rising. So what happens, I think what happens is, and let's like, let's peg this one. Okay, Matt, like let's revisit this. I think we, We're already gonna start to see the signs of deflation. Okay? I think that, and deflation's scary for kind of the, deflation almost creates a similar effect as inflation in that consumers don't spend in a deflationary environment because they're kind of constantly thinking, like, oh, well, prices are gonna go lower. So the consumers don't spend in an inflationary environment because. Things are too expensive and they don't have enough money to spend.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They also don't spend in a deflationary environment because they think that things are going to get cheaper. Right. So it, it equally seizes up the economy. On top of that, you've got rising unemployment in that environment. You've got falling asset prices. Um,
1: and you've got a heavy recession. Right. You, you say um, that we'll start to see signs of deflationary, uh, like of deflation. And, and what are those signs like what do you think will happen first like what's the first thing we'll see listen people feel poorer as their asset prices drop mm-hmm.
2: as asset prices drop and the cost to service debt loads continues to increase people sell those assets right that's mm-hmm. what stimulates this this drop in asset prices mm-hmm. and if Supply and demand, right? If too many assets are for sale and there are not enough people willing to buy those assets, those prices will continue to fall. Right. So like look at real
1: estate. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, the the kind of initial impetus for real estate to drop has been introduced into the market. But real estate doesn't transact that quickly, right? You kind of want to hold on to your real estate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So people will hold on as long as they can, interest rates will continue to increase. And then people will sell that real estate. Will there be buyers available for that real estate? Only right. at a certain point when the market understands that that real estate is really, really well priced. Mm-hmm. More so only when the market understands that interest rates have either reached a bottom or are looking or reach the top and are looking to reduce. Mm-hmm. At that point, support comes in for those assets and ideally creates a floor. And then those assets will kind of continue. will start rising again. Right. In order to re-stimulate the economy, right. <clears throat> I think that what we'll see is, you know, I think we're going to see another seventy-five basis points, right? I think that's priced in. Everyone agrees to it, right? I think we might even see, depending on how quickly the, um, the data kind of filters through to the Federal Reserve, might even see another fifty basis points after that. And then, I think that the verbiage in that meeting and the the way that consumers responding at that point, I think um, I think that's when we'll start seeing like you know a a more dramatic, a more pronounced impact on the general economy. Mm-hmm. At which point, the Fed pivots, the central banks pivot, right. Maybe, you guess it's, it, maybe it's pressure from the politicians. Listen, nobody wants to be in charge of a During country this time when everything is looking gloomy. Right. right. We spoke about this on the last podcast. You know, I'm the kind of guy that I always like, you do, you're too. You like to have something to look forward to. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 yeah like yeah. whether
2: it's a vacation coming up or a tasty meal. Or, you know, like hanging out with friends, whatever it is, like something fun and like you're looking forward to. Or going to a cottage. Or going to your co- your new cottage. Yeah. yeah. Which will fall in uh, price. <laughs> um, but right now, the economy isn't, doesn't really have anything to look forward to. Right. Right? So let's look forward right yeah. now. Okay? We see interest rates are going to rise more the asset prices are going to fall. People are going to feel poor. People are going to feel the pinch. Spending will cease. Asset prices down. Commodity prices down. People will spend less. Employment and employment will rise. Then the central banks will pivot. They'll start dropping interest rates. We're probably going to see some type of um, I don't know, like, what, mo- what do they call it? Modern monetary policy theory where, like, they start writing checks to people. Right. So, again. Yeah. Money back in people's hands. Let's print some more money. Let's get the economy firing again. Let's drop interest rates. Back up again. Maybe a, um, a, a kind of longer road to inflation again.
1: And then a worse
2: drop than this one.
1: Like a worse drop in the economy. Yeah. So like. I mean, that's not looking forward to anything. That's, that's terrible. Well, you, could, you got that little up. <laughs> you <really> got <laughs> that little up in it. The, the,
2: the, yeah, like, okay. So there's another really kind of the scary part about all this is like, you know, look, if you look at history, I think it was Plato mm-hmm. um, that said that in the, like when you, when you create these very difficult times, because this isn't the first time that this has happened. Right where an empire has tried to maintain its control and power over its systems by increasing the money supply.
1: Nazi Germany.
2: Okay, before Nazi Germany, the Chinese, like whatever the dynasty was. Right, the Um, Ming dynasty? The which? The Ming dynasty? I don't know if it was the Ming. Maybe Matt can look it up. Matt probably
1: knows already that's like oh yes yeah it was the Qin dynasty
0: no i i did, that's i don't know a lot of asian finance history Sorry.
2: okay <laughs> anyways uh, it happened in chinese history it happened with the roman empire
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i'm sure it happened in other instances it uh, it happened with germany um but what typically occurs is a loss of democracy right So, like the ultimate fear is that a kind of strong, like, look at South America. Like, almost every South American country went through a period of extremely dramatic rising inflationary. Look at certain African countries, right? And the result has always been a loss of democracy. People will relinquish their freedoms in order to stabilize, and they'll put their faith and their trust in a strong man a leader or a woman. Yeah. I mean, yes. And in the hopes that things will fix, but they don't fix, right? Like that's a recipe for disaster. So I think like a lot of people right now are almost looking at that as a, as what could come of it. That, That being said, that didn't happen in Japan, right? Japan is you know, probably 15 years ahead of us in this period of like rapidly printing money to sustain their economy. Right. And they've lived through this now for much longer than we have. Greece? um, No. Um, Greece is kind of, it's, it, Greece is a much smaller, um, smaller impact on the global scale. Right. Um. And because Greece is a part of the European Union, mm-hmm. the European Union, namely Germany, was able to kind of absorb a lot of the missteps right. of the country. Now, Greece, I mean, like, is actually going through, like, quite a, you know, quite a boom. Right, and Hotels are popping up everywhere. There's large scale real estate development happening for now. Mm-hmm. For now. Um, and... So I think, like, the thing you have to be aware of right now is that all of this is going to happen in cycles. Right. And as bad as it's going to get, the Federal Reserve and the central banks around the world have these magical little tools to re-stimulate the economy. Right. But eventually, the one magical little tool, which they all kind of, you know, they, they all kind of feed into, is that they're creating more money. Right. There's more money supply happening. There's more there's more creation of dollars. And eventually that has proven historically to end badly. Um I mean, if you were a real conspiracy theorist, you would say that like Matt. the perfect storm, um, the, the kind of perfect storm was introduced when you know a virus was brought into the world for at a time when the economy was already in not great shape right like if you if you if you rewind back to January of 2020 we weren't talking about a canadian or a or an american economy that was doing amazing right we were talking about dropping interest rates.
1: Yeah, we no, were, rates already, were already cheap. Yeah,
2: it was like you know the overnight rate was cheap. We didn't have much lower to go. I think we were at like one percent or maybe one and a quarter. And the prime rate was. I yeah, three point seven. I think. Okay, I mean we 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 can look it up and pop it up on the screen, maybe Matt. But we weren't in a great, you know, strong position. Right. And then COVID came in. And we're like, oh, my God.
0: Uh, Rates are low. Yeah, what's up, man? Can I jump in? So, honestly, I I have public Facebook posts going back to, like, 2017 where I was saying that all we needed was a catalyst. Like, the economy was on some teetering edge. And I said it was either going to be a war or a terrorist attack. But a virus, it was the – and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. (laughs) I'm not. I just know – I'm not, though. I'm not, though. And uh, I just kn- know a lot of history, and I was publicly saying it that all we needed was a was a type of a catalyst, and that's what it was. Uh, and and you know, I said it twenty twenty one or said twenty 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 going to be bad years in twenty seventeen. I was saying it um, that we just needed something to push us over the edge there. And and you know what, yeah, I will yeah. also jump in for historically for people that don't know these this idea of rising interest rates to fight inflation comes from like, I believe it's Keynes economics, where uh, after the Great Depression, um, instead of I- interest rates, it was taxes, and the government raised taxes. And then through the 30s, companies couldn't expand and hire because taxes were too high. So Keynes actually introduced the idea that if we lower taxes, companies can expand and build. And that's where the, you know, the workers unions came in and triggered the 1937 de- uh, uh, recession. But from from the Great Depression on because of Keene's economics of rising interest rates to flight inflation, we've gone through 15 bear markets or 24 bear markets and 15 recessions in the last 100 years, but we've never gone through another depression. Because of this, you know, modern monetary policy, these ideas, but you know, we'll see if it works this time. A lot of ta- like people have been saying, it's just the can being kicked down the road for another 100 right. years. Right. right. So, if people don't want to learn more, you can read a great book called uh, The Big Three of Economics. It teaches you uh, about the biggest three creators of the systems that we have. That's good.
2: So, like, what I was trying to get to was we were already on a weak economic footing. Right. COVID comes in. And it was like the first hit, right? Right. And it forces the G7 nations to overstimulate as quickly as possible. You remember this? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how we do it. Let's just get money out into the system as quickly as possible. Let's get into people's hands. we got to save this economy. We've got to save people. Don't worry about where the money goes. And we were saying on this podcast, it'd be really nice if we took a little bit of a pause And tried to figure out how we could get the money into things that would create value for our country and the world into the future. Sustainable energy, technology, creating kind of growth industries, education. Because you can spend money anywhere and stimulate the economy. You might as well spend in the right places. Right. We didn't do that. We just literally fired checks out to people. Right. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what, just take a check, get some money, spend it. And that created this economic boom while well, everyone was kind of locked in their basements. And then as we're coming out of it, there's a war, which increases a lot of the input prices for commodities,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
2: These two economic events lead to this massive inflation. Mm-hmm. And that inflation, de- inflation, destabilizes countries, and rapid, dramatic inflation destabilizes them more. So the only action that the Federal Reserve and the central banks can take is to fight that inflation. It's what they know. Right. So now they're fighting that inflation. Right. But the fight of fighting that inflation is going to really is going to lead to a. Recession, right? Just how bad is the recession going to be? How bad the recession is going to be is only going to be dictated by when we're going to stop rising, in, raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. At what point do they come off? Do they take their foot off the brakes and say, "Okay, we got to do something to re-stimulate this economy." Right.
1: The longer they keep their foot on the gas, breaks, of rising, well, but on rising interest rates. I know, but just the brakes, right? Like no, but the, rising, raising interest if rates. If your foots aren't on the. On our, <laughs> your foot isn't on the, ba- the brakes, where is it? If
2: you're driving the economy, uh-huh. you're driving the economy, increasing interest rates is the brakes. Putting okay. your foot on the so gas sorry. is decreasing interest rates. Right.
1: Okay. So then the longer they keep their foot on the brakes by mm-hmm. rising interest rates, the less, uh, the better off we're going to be down the line is what you're saying. Yeah, I guess. Because you were ma- mentioning like after. Long,
2: long term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the next, the next kind of variable that we'll have to contend with is, but I can tell you that the longer we keep our foot on the brakes, the longer interest rates continue to rise, the more dramatic, the more of these big rate hikes we see, the worse the recession that we're going into is going to be like, not the time to buy real estate right now, right? And I think we'll know the full impact of how bad it's going to be in the spring market. Right. Um, because people don't know, right? Like, how can you make a knowledgeable and informed decision on buying something right now when you don't know when the rate hikes are going to stop? Right. Right? I mean, I think that you'll see people will re-enter the market. When the central bankers say, you know what, this is it. Like we've seen, r- inflation's abated. We are gonna, you know, we're we're no longer rising rates. We're comfortable where they are right now. And then whatever that language in that monetary policy meeting is, whether it's the, probably the Federal Reserve, and then afterwards the Bank of Canada. Right, and we think that might be twenty twenty four.
1: That's our guess. No, yeah. no.
2: I think for sure in 2023 rates are gonna like stop right, going up. Right, I think right, right. at this like Q1 of 2023 we're gonna <gasps> wow. no. There's gonna be no more ri- rising interest rates. Right. And I think Q1 of 2023, Q2 of 2023, hopefully the markets respond favorably to that. Right. But right now, so I, last show I was telling you that I was buying puts on yeah the S and P, and last show like I got a whole bunch of people reach out to me and to to the show, who were like, "This guy's crazy. He's buying 380, 360 puts on the S and P because the S and P, when we did our last show, was at like forty two hundred. Right. Well, now the S and P's at thirty eight hundred. Right. Puts are in the money. So, I mean, I like listen. I'm not the ultimate stock market prognosticator by any means. I just On a macroeconomic level, we're increasing interest rates so quickly and with such kind of deliberate and focused resolve for fear of this inflation that we might be missing that maybe the environment is starting to become deflationary.
1: Right. And the
2: more we continue to attack inflation with higher interest rates, you know, maybe the more of a problem we're creating for ourselves in the future right now. Right. Right. The market is like, listen, the other thing is it's a balancing act. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's hindsight's 2020. Yeah. So you know, when we're out of this, um, which is going to happen, right? Like mm-hmm. it's never as good as it you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. Right. Um, but the, the inflationary fear is real for central bankers and for politicians. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think if I, was, if I was in the market right now for refinancing my house or for if I needed extra capital or if I was looking to buy something, I think no move is the right move right now. I think right. like if, you need ma- if you need money, Let's assess the weighted average cost of capital, figure out whether it makes more sense for you to take a second mortgage and leave your existing first mortgage in place, or if it makes sense for you to take a variable rate right now. Right. Um, Understanding that we're probably going to see another 100 basis points, not all in one shot, but another 100 basis points increase. But again, locking into a fixed rate right now is not a good idea because within the next 12 months, interest rates will start coming down again. Right. They cannot just continue to increase. I was speaking to a trader the other day, like a food trader, mm-hmm. um, who kind of like buys and sells future contracts on steaks or, you know, like beef or um, pork. My, my stepdad does that for, for pork. Uh, there you go. Um, and he was saying he's already year over year from last year, things are now lower. Right. Like lumber prices are off 60% off the peak, right? Um, commodity prices are going down. Yeah. For the most part.
1: Yeah. And. My, my grocery bill yesterday was outrageous. Yeah, but your grocery bill is always outrageous. No, but this is for the same things I always buy. Right. And I checked my mortgage statement, mm-hmm. and I'm at a 60-year amortization right now. Oh, because you're yeah. on a. I haven't been paying attention. Right. Yeah. yeah. 60 years. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's okay for now.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's interest only, basically. Be sure to yeah. visit MakeMoneyCount.com to find all of our old episodes. That was a good talk. I really
1: like that. I do have some questions from our from our loyal viewers mm-hmm. that I wanted to fire off, if you don't mind. Okay. Shoot. Okay. So I got one here. That's <laughs> funny. I don't know why. I just <laughs> find you so amusing sometimes. I'm an amusing guy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, Justin and Marcus. I was hoping you could give me some investment advice other than puts on the SP. No, I'm kidding, it doesn't say that. I've been seeing on the news how unstable the market is becoming and how the prices of homes are dropping. And I'm starting to wonder if investing in real estate is still necessarily low risk. According to your website, your MIC returns have been stable and consistent. Do you see that going forward in this environment? That's a good question.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, MIC returns have been going up. It's it's simple, right? Okay. So um, the way the MIC operates is we try to plan for events that are occurring in
0: the market. Yeah, like we're prepped for this. Yeah. Let's uh, just preface this. What a MIC is, a mortgage investment corporation, for those of you who do not know? Right. So we have a mortgage
2: investment corporation, which is a, um, an entity described by the Canada Revenue Agency as... Um, a fund that aggregates people's investments, whether it's through an RSP or a TFSA or a retirement savings vehicle. And we pull all of this money together and there's law and we invest it into different mortgages. Right. And then as long as all of the interest that we're accumulating from the mortgages that we're investing in goes out to our investors, we pay no tax. Right. So it's pretty simple, right? Pick good mortgages, invest in good mortgages, good people, and then take the interest and funnel it to your investors. We take a 2% management fee to do that. Um, because of how fearful I was of these rising interest rates, we were sitting on a large amount of cash and a large number of first mortgages, not second mortgages. hmm and as you know if I mean as you know and as Matt knows, and if you follow along, the average loan to value of our fund is about fifty percent. so we're quite risk averse. If you are a you know a borrower with Connect, you'll know that we can only really use our fund to help borrowers who are kind of slightly off the mark of an of a bank or of an exit because the 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 whole premise that we've built connect on is that we're using our investors capital to fix something that's deficient in an application mm-hmm. right someone's fixing real estate someone's fixing their credit someone's fixing their income something's getting fixed and we're going to help you fix it we're going to give you the money that you need to fix it
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then we're going to help you get into lower cost capital that's how connect works
1: mm-hmm.
2: because of the way we're structured and because of you know how we're, we're kind of looking at the market on a constant basis. We were in a very defensive position going into these rate hikes. So it it allows us to now use some of that capital. And as some of these mortgages that we've got mature and those borrowers go to lower cost capital, albeit not as low as we had initially assumed because interest rates have risen so dramatically. Mm -hmm. But because they are of a high quality borrower and real estate, the money still comes back, right? Mm -hmm. It might take a little longer on certain deals for us to exit them into the product we need to exit them into. Sometimes people might not get into the rate that we had initially anticipated they were gonna get into, but the money still comes back. Mm -hmm. And now as the money comes back, we're still redeploying that capital. Mm But because there's fewer players in the market, right? Like you see this now you're, you source mortgages and you send them out into the market, right? Along mm-hmm. with our underwriting team. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're sending it out into the market now, there are fewer participants in the market mm-hmm. because a lot of our peers, a lot of our competitors overlent on real estate. So they, you know, I remember, right? Look, we saw people lending up to 95% of the value of a home. It's crazy. One year ago. Yeah. Well, if you lent 95% of the value of the home, cost somebody 5% to sell their home. And if the property value drops as it is currently dropping 20%, well, then it is very difficult to get all of the money that you've lent to the consumer out. It's not good for you. It's not good for the consumer. Mm -hmm. What that resulted in is a lot of mortgage investment funds and private mortgage lenders are no longer participating in the market. Mm -hmm. And as a result, consumers have fewer places to go
1: mm-hmm.
2: and interest rates have risen. Mm-hmm. So the MIC, as an investment vehicle, is able to create a very healthy return for its investors while still servicing the right borrowers. Right. So it's been, a, it's been, it's been good for our mortgage fund. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not, it's what is not good for the consumer is not good for the industry. Like long-term, you can't like, and that's how Connect was created, right? right you yeah, can't yeah. look at, oh, wow, you know, uh, companies doing great because we are making more interest margin on deals and there's fewer competitors out in the market. That is not a good thing. Right. It's not healthy for the marketplace. We need competition in the marketplace. We need more market entrance. We need more options for our consumers eventually if the market kind of seizes up as which is what's going to happen credit markets will seize with these rising interest rates asset prices fall credit becomes tighter to, harder to come by once that credit becomes harder to come by asset prices fall more people can't borrow that's bad for the consumer it's bad for the industry right um, but because we we operate a relatively small fund it's We can kind of contain our exposure very, we contain our exposure very well in the market. Yeah. And we're able to spit off a return, which is, you know, kind of been close to 9% this last little while. Mm -hmm. And that's a factor of, we've got interest rates rising and we're not trying to shoot the lights out, right? We don't take undue risk with the capital. Yeah. A couple of reasons for that. Right. Yeah. Number one, I have my entire family is in the fund, including me and you. Yeah. And Matt. And everyone that works at Connect. Everybody. So we don't take undue risk with the capital, and we use the capital to help the borrower. Right. And that creates what we talk about, that motivational alignment, Mm -hmm. that alignment with the borrower, where we're working in partnership. We're using the money from our investors to help our borrowers get to lower cost capital and then return the capital back to us. That's not going to change. Like That still happens on a daily basis. It's just in the market that we're in right now, there's fewer people vying for the attention of that borrower. Right. Um, so listen, what do you do in this market? What do you invest in? Sometimes the best investment is no investment. Right. And although it's scary that there's, that, that there's this inflationary pressure and this inflationary pressure would cause one to think that keeping cash on hand is a bad idea. Actually, I listened to an interview with Charlie Munger, who is like kind of Warren Buffett's partner at Berkshire Hathaway. He's 96 years old. This, this not Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, right. I don't know. Warren Buffett is like 95.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's the spring chicken out of the duo. And he said, spring <laughs> chicken. he said, historically Berkshire Hathaway does like, although Berkshire Hathaway is currently sitting on a large, large pile of cash, He's like, we're not, we're not hoping to sit on a large pile of cash. We are kind of always looking to deploy cash. We just need the right pricing. Right. So although he's not kind of specifically out with the motivation of accumulating cash and holding it, his is more focused on when he can identify an opportunity to deploy the capital. We're seeing people hold cash. Right. Um, because again. Making no move is sometimes better than making a move. Right. Um, I would all like the other thing he says actually is he's like this um, theory of diversifying a portfolio. So you need to have, you know, 20 different asset types in your portfolio. You got to have tech, you got to have real estate, mm-hmm. you got to have fixed income, you know, it, it, multiple asset classes so that you're portfolio is, you know, has good exposure to the marketplace. He's like, it's stupid. Right. He's like, I don't have this level of exposure. I'm not smart enough. This is a guy who runs a multi, multi billion dollar fund. He says, I'm not smart enough. He's like, I think I might have four. Mm -hmm. I have some apartment buildings. You know, I've got some holdings and some companies that I really believe in. But apart from that, I'm not smart enough to go out and analyze all of these different asset classes to fully diversify my portfolio. Right. And even Warren Buffett echoes that in an inflationary environment, you should invest, you should invest in yourself. Right. Should invest in upgrading your skills. Again, we talked about this like investing in education, investing in upgrading your your kind of suite of tools is never a bad idea.
0: So Gary so, Gary V says the same thing.
1: Great. I
2: mean, I didn't even know who Gary V is. You always <laughs> recommend him. It's like You
1: don't know who Gary V is? No. He's one of the uh so he He's uh, basically like a tiny Tony Robbins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? So uh Sorry, it, Gary. No, so Gary 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 a uh, uh tiny little Gary V. <laughs> <laughs> in the late 90s, uh, he took over his father's liquor store in New Jersey and started up a uh well, an it um a wine business online and called wine library. And uh, he was selling more wine than the state of California within a few years. So um, from there, he uh, just expanded his investments into other online businesses. Like he was an angel investor in Uber, Twitter, and a bunch of other things. And he's worth quite a few billion now. Can we please get a picture of Gary V up on the screen? Please? I'll, I'll post you. a picture of me and Gary V together.
2: The, the, we're trying to address the question of what this person should invest in. Right. Um,
1: well, no, the, I mean, the, the question was two-part. Is the mix stable and what should I invest in? Yeah, listen, I mean,
2: if, <laughs> I, I would always suggest investing in our mortgage product. Like, it's, um, it's really well-managed. We've got so many great people involved in it. Um,
1: I had a great conversation with somebody Yesterday, they came into our office at Navy Wharf, and he actually wanted to uh, be a mortgage agent. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to be a mortgage agent, but he didn't want to do it full-time. And I kind of had mentioned that, like, our team is very full-time. Like, we're dedicated to our clients. We're always in the office, stuff like that. Uh, and he also mentioned that he had some, some cash, and I told him about the Mick. And his first question was, like, well, obviously, things aren't doing too well right now, right? And I was like, what do you mean? They're doing better than ever, you know what I mean um, you know so so the question of are things stable is yes, you know what I mean like're we're, we're yeah, it's all in how you lend right yeah, exactly it's all exactly. in how you lend if you
2: if you're trying to go for outsized returns, it is best to do it when you are overly confident that the asset prices are increasing right and like any cycle Asset prices can't increase forever. Right. And um, you just, if you play de- defensively and for a long term, you're going to win.
1: Yeah, the tortoise. The tortoise. The tortoise. always wins. Mm-hmm.
2: What other questions you got for me there? Ray? I do. Tortissimo.
1: Let's see here. <laughs> Tiny little Gary V. Okay. The tortoise. I, had, I have heard that buying, okay, this is another question. I have heard that buying a rental property is a good investment. You kind of touched on this. Do you still think that is the case with rising interest rates and real estate prices falling, or should I hold off now? On or or should I should I hold off on this decision for now? Um, I mean, you already said, hold yeah. Off, I mean, right? I
2: would hold off. I don't know where the rental property is. I don't know how great of a deal they're going to get on it.
1: I just there's a lot of variables. Yeah, listen. rental rates are very high right now. Like rent, you know what I mean? Yeah, but you know why rental rates are high? Because interest rates are high. Because people are afraid to pull the
2: trigger on purchasing because they right. don't know how much higher interest rates are going to go. Right. But when interest rates stabilize, people will then migrate out of rentals back into purchasing. <whistles> like, listen, it, it's a cycle. Right. We're in a cycle. We're just in a, The pendulum. A dark period. Yeah. Like... Um, the return to the means. Yeah, return to the mean. L- listen, every single return night... Return to the Gary Vee. Every single night, it gets dark. Right. Are you terrified? Not anymore. Like not ever since Kelsey started holding your hand when you fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah. Every single night, it gets dark. And every morning, it gets sunny again. Right.
1: And you are able to cope with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Still you. I feel like I should be lying on one of those leather, like not a chair, but not a bed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you should have a clipboard. Taking notes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But like, think about it, right? Every night, it gets dark. Every morning it gets sunny again.
1: Yeah. You don't need to
2: knee-jerk react, right? Right. Asset prices got really, really frothy and really, really rich. Made people feel really, really rich. Made people spend lots and lots of money. Now asset prices are coming down. People aren't going to spend so much money. If you were to approach asset prices the same way that you approach the rise and the set of the sun, maybe you'd be in better shape. And you are in good shape. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, generally speaking, it's never as good as you think it is. It's never as bad as you think it is. Right.
1: Although, it's probably going to get pretty bad. <laughs> It'll get good again. I feel inspired right now. I feel very inspired. That was inspiring.
2: Good. Any more questions for me? or? Uh,
1: I have one more. Sure. It's long. Okay. Whoever wrote this. Um, <laughs> Wrote quite a long email, but that's okay. We're gonna read it. All right, are you ready? Hey guys, I'm in a pretty tough spot and could really use some advice. We should start reading these questions in the beginning of the podcast because generally by the end of the podcast, we answer all the questions that these people had, but I'm gonna read it. Hey guys, I'm in a pretty tough spot and could really use some advice. My house desperately needs renovation and I don't a uh, renovation and I don't want to take out the money I have in investments to fund it. This person's probably invested in a firm. I've seen how much interest rates have risen in the past few months and how the value of homes has declined. I think I want to take advantage of the equity I have in my home before values drop too much, but I don't want to be stuck with crazy high interest rates and a high payment. I really don't want to be confined to a term considering I don't know how long the rentals will take to complete. I have a low first mortgage, so I know... There has to be options for me. What do you recommend?
2: Okay. We have to glean what we can from the information we've got in this long email. So So in the future, if you're writing us an email, give us some rates,
1: give us some rates, give us some amounts, juicy details that we can bite into. But we'll take some assumptions. Yeah, let's assume. So million dollar house. Assuming never made an asset of anybody. (laughs) (laughs) You're on today,
2: huh? I'm on fire. For you on. Yeah. Um, let's say it's a million dollar house. Okay. Low mortgage is what? 200 grand? 250 grand. Yeah. is going to cost what? The same amount?
1: 200 grand.
2: Yeah. All right. So then, um, and they got a low fixed rate first. I would say kind of first option would be to weigh, and obviously we need to speak to them to get our teeth into this deal to figure out what the best route is. But I would look at the following. I would look number one at a line of credit. Mm-hmm second position line of credit at prime or prime plus a half, depending on where you go. Second option, redo the entire first with a new variable rate mortgage. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds crazy because rates are so much higher. We don't know what the fixed rate is, but you can easily weigh the cost of breaking the existing fixed and the cost of the increase from the fixed to the new variable against the cost of supplementing the existing first with the line of credit, because mm-hmm. the new variable will be prime minus one. Line of credit is going to be prime plus a half. If it's two hundred thousand dollars that we're talking about as a differential, that's a one and a half percent spread on that two hundred grand. So rough numbers, if you're only increasing the if you're if you're increasing the rate of the first mortgage by. Um, less than 1.5%, it might make sense. Right? Right. Um, I mean, I think so. Less than 75 basis points. I feel
1: like I need an abacus
2: on this show. Anyways, these are your options, right? Right. And then if you don't qualify, then you're looking at second mortgage or a home equity loan. That's when you have to start deciding how badly you need to do the renovations. Right. I also think we're heading into a period of time where renovations are going to be cheaper. Right? We mentioned earlier, lumber prices are coming down. Right. Fewer people are going to be working on their homes. Home Depot's gonna, stocks gonna fall. Low stocks gonna fall. People aren't gonna be doing the renos that you saw them doing over the last two years. Money isn't cheap anymore. Their house prices aren't appreciating anymore. The value that they will extract from making those renovations is no longer as certain as it once was. As a result, fewer contractors, you know what that means? Fewer pickup trucks on the road.
1: Right. Anyways.
2: But but you're going to see less home improvement happening, which means home improvement will become cheaper. Right. Might not be at that point yet, but that's where we're going. So it will be cheaper to do the things that you want to your house. You're going to have to weigh that as one of the variables. Right. Right. So, and we'll help you with this. Right. Mm -hmm. But I would just say before you look, like I, I never, like. It depends on how much, how much, how badly you really need this renovation. But if you can do it with minimal increase to your borrowing costs, go for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at like a second mortgage or a home equity loan to do it, especially in this environment,
1: let's take a deeper look. at it. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. yeah.
2: Because like the time is, it, it, we're heading into an uncertain period.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, listen, like we always say, the best way. To figure out what the best options are for your home or your home's equity gives a show. I mean, the other, op-
2: the other thing you can do is you can go online mm-hmm. to connect.ca. Right. You can just enter in your address and we will pull all of the information and we will provide you with all of the options available to you for the amount of money you're looking to borrow. Right. It's really simple. Like. All of, we tried to cram all of the knowledge and the unbiased advice and the way that we operate when you phone us, which can be daunting, right? Like picking up the phone and calling somebody and going through all these details, pain. Right. You can go online, you can enter in these details, your address, your name, your email address, and we'll send you a report of what we think, how, how you can best borrow money using your home and what the various prices are. Mm -hmm. And then you can give us a call. Yeah. It's all part of this kind of th- the way that I believe the internet works best, right? It's a trust it's a trust relationship game. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're if you have a website on the internet, this I've, I've always firmly believed this. If you have a website on the internet, it should be like your office, right? Should look nice. People should want to come in. And when they come in, they should get something. Right. They should get value or else they're never going to come back in your office again. Right. So Connect's value, the way Connect shows value, is when you come to our website, you give us your address, and we're going to show you how smart we are. Right. We're going to show you the best rates on the market, how you can get equity using your home, what your house is worth, what the mortgage you got registered on it is, who you are, and we'll spit it right back at you. Right. At that point, at that point, if you want to do business with us, amazing. Right. We think you're going to want to, but you might not want to. At that point, that's when we get on a phone call, meet with you in person in one of our offices, and we start really looking at those options. Mm-hmm. Figuring, like It's hard to judge time horizon mm-hmm. for somebody that's filling out a form online. You can ask them the question, and we do ask the question, but it's such a critical part of borrowing money that you really need to get your, your hands on that. You really need to kind of assess that with the borrower. Right. So... I can't recommend this enough, right? If you are if you're watching this and you're wondering, okay, like I'm still uncertain as to how this affects me. I do need some money right now, or I would like to refinance my mortgage, or my mortgage is coming up for renewal. Oh my God, what a bad time for your mortgage to be coming up for renewal. What do I do? You can start off by just going to the website and filling in your address, and it'll provide you with your options. Right. And then if you like those options, which I think you will. Give us a shout or we'll phone you and um, we can spend 15 minutes on the phone.
1: Yeah. I think we've covered a lot of bases. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of information. Um, Hopefully, before Marcus goes globe trotting again, he'll be here with us again in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, How long are you here for? I don't know. Um, All right. Well, that was it for this week. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Good insight today, Matt. Thank you. Ciao. Bye.